Live from Cape Town, this is the voice of the Cape. The voice of the Cape. The voice of the Cape. Sunday Live. Your Sunday morning news analysis program. Sunday Live continues with me, Jamil and Al Amin. Now, remember, we give you the contact number here quickly. Um, after the next interview or two, we'll be opening up the lines. That number is 021-442-3530. Otherwise, use the SMS line 47913. Now, earlier on this morning, Al Amin and I was discussing the spy cables and Al Jazeera. Um, we had a lot to say on it. <laughs> and uh, many would say, well, it's the perfect. I mean, it's also in the movie, Mark. Ideal. What I've read, you know, I see the James Bond stuff. It's very boring. Reams and reams and reams of paper. You know, to see a spy, skid spy. Okay. We've got somebody online now that's more or less going to unbundle for us what has happened here because I myself don't know whether I should believe. And, you know, I watch Al Jazeera at night. I fly through these channels and I have Mohammed Kaji joining us, a former bureau chief of Al Jazeera America and an executive director of Asri Institute. Mohammed, assalamu alaikum to you. Alaikum assalamu alaikum. How are you both doing? Alhamdulillah. Give us a sense of understanding here. What's, what's happening? How is it possible for Al Jazeera, first off, uh, to get hold of these papers? <laughs> Big question. Um, Look, I think in terms of the table, this basically goes along the same lines as uh, WikiLeaks, for example, where somebody in the intelligence services who has various motives, it could be national interest, it could be revenge, it could be, you know, a personal vendetta would um, have access to these cables like a rogue intelligence agent mm. and release them for various, you know, motives. Like the motives we could discuss, we won't know for certain, obviously, because you know, we don't have access to know who exactly those people were. But I think something, what sort of cables have been released. And um, I saw in 30 Press this morning that um, 30 Press is saying that it most likely would have come from the South African State Security Agency. So that could give us some indication of why these cables were released. Okay. I've got my, uh, my co-host with me, Al-Amin Kafar, and he's biting at the bit to pose a question to you, Mohammed. Okay. Assalamu alaikum. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, that is basically how I figured it out as well. It must have been somebody from the uh, security services um, who provided Al Jazeera with it. But, well, I mean, why do you think they did that? What was the reason? Look, I think there's been a few sort of suggestions coming out from other analysts and so on, right? Some of them, uh, if you look at what has come out in the cables, you see a lot about Israel, a lot about Iran, mm. um, a lot about the South African State Security Agency. So, you know, again, I'd say national interest, if it was related to any foreign intelligence uh, agents or possibly, you know, working to expose Iran nuclear deals, you know, there's the Netanyahu visit going on in uh, in Washington, D.C., or coming up in Washington, D.C., you know, revenge is a powerful motive as well. I think, you know, beyond the motives of the release, the end benefit is to citizens, right? Because the world of espionage isn't really one that we 
have direct access to to have access to information and you know wires and reports that intelligence agents are exchanging between each other you know besides James Bond movies and what we see in the cinemas you know citizens have very little access to information about what's happening in the intelligence services so the end result of these releases and the, you know the WikiLeaks releases previously and the Snowden sort of um, you know leaks is that we as South African citizens benefit because we have access to some sort of understanding of what's happening in the cloaking dagger world of intelligence. And remember that, you know, intelligence services are ultimately there to serve the citizens of the country, to serve the constitutional democracy. If they're not protecting the pillars of democracy, then ultimately that intelligence service isn't serving the people, it's serving, you know, vested interests within the establishment. Hmm. But another thing which these papers and I mean I haven't read all of it but uh, I've just read sort of like it's just reams and reams of paper and uh, it's it's boring as well because you actually expect something a bit more exciting like you know James Bond but it looks like it's more or less just like conversation between civil servants or you know diplomats or whatever but I mean a picture is being painted that this country is actually I think what was uh, one of the newspapers used it has the Eldorado for espionage or spies Uh, do you think there's some some truth to it or something that every operation every security service all over the world basically has an operative in this country look i think there is truth to that right and i think um if we've seen those sort of reports coming out um then i don't think it's unlikely to be true also remember that you know intelligence services cooperate with each other right so you know it's very likely that there would be operatives operating in South Africa knowing known to the South African government and also unknown to the South African government. Because if you go into some of the papers, you know, um, last night I was reading one of the one of the papers relating to a meeting between, you know, senior South African intelligence and Iranian intelligence and they were discussing, you know, the placement of um, known sort of uh, intelligence agents in you know, different places. So I think that when we look at these papers, ultimately these papers, we there's a few things we don't know. The one is whether the information is actually corroborated or not, what level of, um, what level of seriousness were those papers or those reports taken with and what actions were taken beyond that, right? So basically what Al Jazeera has done is they've put all of this information out there right in terms of what's been discussed verbatim and haven't really editorialized Mm. a lot of it that editorialization is the responsibility of you know media or concerned media groups or citizens to look at it and say okay can we corroborate any of this information that we're seeing within these papers can we take the facts or any of the assumptions within the, the releases and now go find our double sourcing to find um, somebody within the establishment or within civil society to actually speak to them and add more information about it. So, for example, you know, I think I saw an Al Jazeera report where they interviewed former intelligence minister Ronnie Tezros, and his comments were that he feels um, there is very little oversight in terms of intelligence in South Africa, right? So that gives us an indication that if you think it's an El Dorado for intelligence, and the former minister of intelligence is coming out and saying 
South Africa has very little oversight over intelligence operations and so on, then it should get us worried because, you know, the South African Bill of Rights starts out in saying everyone has the right to privacy, right? We have the right that our homes can't be searched, our property can't be searched, and importantly, it says the privacy of our communications can't be infringed, right? And that's a constitutional right of all of us as South Africans. If intelligence services from South Africa or abroad are in this, you know, uh, in this sort of um, culture of free, you know, free intelligence gathering, spying on South African citizens, then that's a serious threat to the rights of us as South African citizens to privacy, but also the you know, the pillars of our constitutional democracy. And I think that's why we should be concerned as, you know, ordinary South African citizens. Mm. And, and I mean, you're right about that, you know, because they were talking about this Iranian intelligence. And um, I mean, they, they've made reference to at least two institutions, or at least one was that Silk Publishers, mm. which have, I managed to walk in and out here you know, a couple of times when they were still at the bookstore in, in, in Long Street. And then the Ahlil Beta, the mosque in, 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 in town. In town yes. But for me, the way I read it, it was more a case of like Shia Dawa, you know, the way I understood it. And I mean, here, maybe I'm wrong, but I think there is also a problem that sometimes I think our intelligence operatives aren't that very intelligent, or they perhaps maybe they don't have a true understanding of Islam. Am I wrong in my assessment or that? Well, I saw that too, right? Yeah. So the allegations were that um, the Darul Ulum Zakaria mm. in... Uh, Johannesburg was being funded by Iranians. And if you know anything about Shia and Sunni Islam, uh, you know yes. that they would be uh, solving the problems of the Ummah in one paragraph rather than 1400 years, right? Mm. So the, the, the issue is that let's take one step back, right? As a Muslim community in South Africa, we have a very strong and historic contribution to social justice, to civil rights. Uh, to the struggle against apartheid, etc., etc. So, as a Muslim community, we're probably one of the most integrated uh, Muslim communities in no. Western democracies in the world. Definitely right? right there. And I think that when you look at some of these papers, okay, one way of looking at it is to say, you know, the intelligence um, operators haven't done their homework and they've just like cut and paste things from different places and put it in. But, you know, if you look at other papers, you can see that there's been a strong attempt by foreign intelligence agencies to pull South Africa into the Al-Qaeda smear campaign, right? Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. And the pillars of that Al-Qaeda smear campaign or that international terrorism campaign is Iran on the one side and obviously Al-Qaeda on the other side and to a lesser extent, um, you know, the Muslim Brotherhood, uh, which... Uh, generally, Hamas has been tried to be pulled into sort of that um, that triangle, if you want to call it that. So, you know, as a South African community that's very moderate, that's very involved in um, political issues, that's, that's very integrated and um, is still seen with a very strong level of, you know, um, contribution to broader South African society, I don't think we can underestimate the attempts by agencies to try to drag us into and smear us as a um, radicalized or increasingly radicalized community. And that's something we need to be careful of, right? So when you see the star headlines on Thursday, I think it was, that says, 
you know, Al-Qaeda free reign in South Africa or something like that. Um, I think that we should look at it with caution that we can't estimate a very strong attempt to label the South African Muslim community as becoming increasingly radical, uh, less pluralist, less accepting of others, um, you know, more as a, as a bubble who is attached to international sort of terrorism rather than South African as it were. And I think we have to guard against that. And that's why civil liberties are important, access to information is important, and us as a community also making sure that we um, maintain our pluralism, maintain our involvement in civil rights and civic action um, for the, 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 the establishment and the sort of development of South Africa's democracy, you know. Mohammed, just uh, in, in wrapping up, <laughs> this morning's newspapers are the headings of uh, South Africa not safe from Al-Shabaab and Al-Qaeda and the other one that brought us a bit of a, a, a you know, a smile to the face says China stole South Africa's nuclear technology data. <laughs> Uh, but the one I wanted to ask is, besides the Iranian issue, there seems little talk of the United States uh, in any of the leaf leaked documentation. Could there be a hidden motive for this? Oh, well, there could be. Look, I don't have access to who released the papers and, you know, what their positions were and, and so on. So it's hard for me to take a guess. Like, my guess is as good as anybody else's, right? Um so I think it could have been a factor of what that specific agent had access to at that point in time. You know, um, I'm like everybody else. I'm busy going through the papers. There's hundreds of papers and, you know, cables from all over the world. Yeah. Um, today, City Press, like I said, is uh, alleging that it, the leak came from the South African intelligence agencies. So, you know, I think... Maybe as we go through the, the papers in much more detail, it will become clearer. Or, you know, maybe one of the local media agencies will be able to crack some sort of assumption on on why the motives were there for releasing it. But, you know, like I said, you know, we, can, we can focus on that. But the end result is that this was net positive for citizens of South Africa because we had access to information that we wouldn't have had access to before. And as a result we can, by interpreting these papers and understanding them and looking at what's in them, we can actually um, understand or figure out ways to make our constitutional democracy stronger. You've mentioned the issue about accountability or the public being made aware of what's happening. Um, do you think this uh, incident is embarrassing enough to our security services for them actually get their house in order or what? Look, I think it's very embarrassing for them internationally because what happens is that when there's leaks such as these, obviously foreign intelligence agencies will be very cautious to send requests or, or papers to our local intelligence agencies to request things on the fear that, you know, whatever they're requesting would become public knowledge. And obviously within the, within the intelligence arena, uh, confidentiality between the intelligence a agents are clear because having access to what they're requesting basically gives access to what the national interests of those countries are. So, you know, we know what Israel's national interest is, we'll know what the Iranian national interest is, we'll know what the Zimbabwean national interest is. So, in that sense, by having access to these cables, we can see what, you know, the, 
the world of espionage for those countries are working towards. So in terms of embarrassment, in terms of foreign countries, yes, absolutely. In terms of South Africa, I think that um, it serves our intelligence agencies well to have much more room to operate, right? So unless we as citizens are pressuring government to tighten up the controls on um, surveillance of South African citizens, on the interception of communications, um, then nothing's going to happen on that side of things. Unless uh, we put pressure on it. I think I, I came across one of the ta- one of the cables and um, I did a bit more research into it in terms of, you know, what policies are there in place for who gets and who doesn't? What policies are there in place for who gets spied on and who doesn't? Is it a director general of a department that says, okay, we can waive these policies because it's important? Or is it a judge, for example, that's giving the permission to go ahead? You know, those are things that the cables open the door for us to start asking those questions rather than giving us answers, right? So it's a, I think it's an important track for us to talk about, to say, you know, in the modern age with cell phones, with cameras that can be, you know, tapped into or hacked into, with computers that can be hacked into, et cetera, et cetera, should we as citizens start being more vigilant and more active in pressuring government to say, you know, let's tighten up the controls in terms of privacy and, you know, the spying of South African citizens by extension. Um, I'm sure you came across the cable where the South Korean intelligence services were asking the South African intelligence services for information on Kumi Naidu, who was the um, the, uh, the director of Greenpeace, yeah. right? Yes. Or the global director of Greenpeace. Yeah. Now, why do you have to spy on Greenpeace? Greenpeace is a well-known international um, environmental rights non-profit mm. organization, right? So if, if Greenpeace can be spied on, I think we can make a fair assumption or that, you know, there may be a lot of institutions and organizations um, that have also been spied on. And how do we have access to that to make sure that oversight is tight and oversight is trusted? I think it's an, an important question. Beautiful, Mohammed. Unfortunately, between Alamin and myself, so many more questions for you, but we've run out of time <laughs> on this side. Yes. Yeah? We chat to you the whole morning. Mohammed Kaji, the former Bureau Chief of Al Jazeera America and also Executive Director of the Asri Institute. Mohammed, shukran once more for your time and we say to you, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Thanks for having me.